I say, Africa must wake up the sleeping sons of Jacob for what tomorrow may bring. May Our dynasty on the morning bliss. Can you tell me, young ones, who are we today? So today we're going to be exploring the significance of the stories behind our arts and our craft. There's a legacy there to explore and remember who we are and also create a legacy for posterity. Our guest is life coach, author, mental wellness advocate, forever smiling, very handsome, and a great speaker as well, Paul Nzimande. So welcome Nzimande, how are you doing this morning? Good morning, good morning, good morning. Good morning to the A-teamers. Good morning, Nukule. Good morning, good morning. Actually, I must say, I've never seen you without a smile. Even when you speak, I can actually hear that you're smiling. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard working. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank God. We are thank God. looking at um, the legacy of arts and craft in Africa. Go ahead. Yes. So, so, so this morning we we just going to look at um, if you if one looks back at where we come from with the whole issue of arts and craft, look at where we are and look at where we're going, and I'm going to submit to you that there is quite a bit that is being lost in the arts and craft that our posterity is not going to find, which we did find, which we have not preserved, and. In that are important stories that have been lost. Remember, when we look at this issue of legacy, one of the things that we're really concerned about is what will our children's children and their children know about us or through us or from us that is important that we inherited and that we're living as an inheritance for them. Mm. Now, arts... Um, you could, you could, de- de- and and I've deliberately said arts and craft, but in fact, craft belongs within the category of arts. If one wants to strictly define arts, then one would look at the different categories. There would be the performing arts, there would be the visual arts, there'd be the applied arts in terms of graphic design and 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 um, things like interior deco and, and and and. But I would like us to focus specifically on on arts in respect of the arts that we used to create useful implements. Step number two. So Mm -hmm. now, as you're talking about these arts that we use to create, you know, implements, when you go into that one, because I know you're going to explore it Mm -hmm. a bit more, please Mm -hmm. explain why do we no longer have that art that creates implements? Has something gone wrong in our mindset? I know you're still going to go further, but please explain. Because creating means we were innovative in this day and age. We were industrious in this day and age. What went wrong? Go ahead. So, so, so the industrialization, one of the things, and the globalization, of course, one of the things that it did do was that it changed um, the implements that we used into stuff that is really just made by machines. Um, and I mean, machines are, and this is about art every, I mean, machines are producing portraits. 
machines so you no longer have people even the europeans we used to sit and draw people you know the leonardo da vinci's would never have come out of this age uh, because now we look at we take a picture and vrr, and then you know artificial intelligence grrr, you know so industrialization has really changed that part of the game um, for everyone so in our case it was more about europeanization so to speak but also industrialization at the same time the the double whammy there for us is that where industrialization for Europeans, um, the Japanese and other people, the Chinese, industrialization has meant taking what they already have and then transforming that and manufacturing it in massive, um, um, through mass production and whatever. In our case, it meant that we are using mass produced items of somebody else's culture. So, 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 in a way, we are, and I use this very politely, but in a way, we are quite lost in that sense. And mm-hmm. what are these useful implements, perhaps, so that I can make the point a little clearer? Take, um, take implements for, take things like, um, and, and when I say implements, take things, simple things like ukamba, right? A calabash. I've seen plastic calabashes. Uh, manufactured and I thought Ooh, before you know it we're going to lose the art of um, this thing. When, when we were younger and we grew up I distinctly recall the school that I went to, primary school there was um, there a lot of clay in the field, in the play field in the school playground so we used to go there, collect this and one of the most basic things we used to all be able to do was to then create um um, clay kettle and so you learned the art of creating this kettle and then um, drying it up and then pu- putting it in the sun and then putting it in the fire and watch it solidify and there you are you have created something now this art of creating does something to you first of all as a person because you're creating to you're playing around with nature those who do child psychology um would would probably tell us more about the value of a child manipulating soft clay just how therapeutic that is and 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 to the point where in fact there is now synthetic clay that has been created for children to play around with because that is therapeutic but somewhere in the process somewhere in the process of doing this something that was useful and therapeutic has been lost now allow me to make a departure here because I want to just amplify the importance of this point. Have you noticed how the younger generations than us are always more anxious? They've got more of those issues, and I want to suggest that in their upbringing, their innocence and childhood has been taken away from them too early. It's a theory. It's not... It's not substantiated by evidence. It's just observation. And I'm saying because they are younger, um when they are told how they need to protect themselves from all manner of things they have lost the innocence of playing with things of um i remember when we were young i used to be able to go to the field um cut the grass and then do remember who got to craft work 
Mm, yes, <laughs> you know, <yes. laughs> I I got a few lashes for those. I don't know about you. <laughs> but you know, another thing, like you know, our woven mats. Uh, and, yes, uh, yes, yes. Create them out of. A woven mat, uh, some are creating them yes. plastic, and you know, others mm. with the straw, and that is mm. so beautiful. Um, it, it's beautiful art, but it also has so much cultural relevance. And here we are today, most households don't even have um, a calabash or a woven mat. And, and if you think about those things, um, the, the beauty was not just in the utility of it. Yes, it was useful, but it was also the stories behind it. Take, for example, when there would be a wedding um, and Dumakoti, and, and before she goes to... One of the things she would carry are those woven mats. And it was not just the mat. It was about the hands that make the mat. You know, this was made by Koko Sorenso yeah. as a gift mm. for Usorenso. And it's a gift of love made with her own hands, made with love. How much more love than a gift made with one's own with one's own hands that every time you open that woven mat and use it, you know that you're using you are sitting on the love of Kokumaskakade or Kokumangiti or whoever it is that would have made it. So there's a lot of yes. So there's a lot of love. There's a lot of love. Um, so the language, one of the languages that was embedded in the arts and craft was the language of love and care. Um, let's take, for example, beadwork. Um, so, so, so this thing, Eti Uku Alsangan or Uku Liasangan, Uku being beadwork, beads, a necklace um, that would be given by a lady to a suitor as a language to say, yes, I've now come to accept your story. I'm now agreeing to be in a relationship with you. Our courtship can now move to the next level. Now, it sounds like just beadwork, but in these days we come across beadwork and have you seen how everybody just wears everything? Everybody wears anything. Everybody, and including is tolo. And if you think about it, is tolo was intended to say, this is a married woman, um, and this is a woman. Yes, this is a married woman. And headdress from just headdress code, you could see one her age. You could see um, uh, uh, which group of people she is from you could see there was a it was a language it communicated identity it communicated um rank in society it communicated a, a whole range of things so these days and and i mean it's good that we have this taller as a pinky for example but now when you have um um uh, my sister so somewhere there's very little you can read except she's trying to communicate pride in Africanness, and that's okay. Uh, no, no, okay, okay, okay. I, 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 
I see where you're going. Because even beads have the meaning in terms of their colors and yes. the way they are yes. created. Yes. So th th there is yes. a legacy uh, behind all the arts and crafts that we have in Africa. But the one challenge yes. that we are currently faced with is how do we make these create wealth and generational wealth for us? Because right now, when you say art, you think of an exhibition, you are thinking of Western arts, not African arts necessarily. Even our galleries in South Africa don't have much to offer in African arts. So a friend of mine, in fact, a coachee of mine, um, did her honors at the UKZN on precisely this issue of monetizing art. Um, and it's a challenge for, for 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 South Africans in general. Number one, uh, now we're getting into a slightly different conversation, but it's a, we're branching off from this one. We'll come back. Number one, as Africans, teen, we don't pay for art from each other. That is why uh, 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 if, if you stage a theatrical production and you ask people to come, uh, they don't come. But that's probably because, and I'm generalizing painfully, and, and that's that's because, uh, I think, because a lot of the arts, performing arts in particular, is enjoyed in community. So when there's a wedding, there will be a lot of singing and dancing, and you don't have to pay for that. You just have to be part of the wedding, and you'll enjoy amazing arts. Um, the craft is there. It's shared also. So, so, so that's the one thing about us learning to get to the point where it's good to pay for the arts uh, and especially performing arts. But number two, um, we are not very, in my observation at least, we are not very aware of what the tourist who is a potential client of our arts is really looking for. Because if we were, we would then be able to package our arts and craft differently. Let me make an example. And this is not an example from anywhere. It's, a, it's an innovative idea, I think. If, if the significance is in the fact that uh, the woven mat was made by Ukoko Maskakan, and in making it, she blessed it. Now, take one of the things we do have in Africa is we have a culture, and I want to ring fence my conversation because I'm going into very controversial territory, but we do have the culture of young maidens who go to the Rit dance, for example. They go to Mkosom Sang. And when they go to the reed dance, they cut reeds and they go there. And there's a story behind those reeds as well. And what should happen with the reed and at end. But we have a, a culture of young maidens. Now imagine if those young maidens, part of what they then had to do was create um, certain pieces of um, artwork, college beadwork and whatever. And um, this beadwork would be beadwork with a specific story. Say, for example, and I'm just making an example. Say, for example, it's 2023. All the maidens that went to Umsanga in 2023 would make a neck piece um, with the inscription 2023. And when they go to Umsanga, the guests 
have the opportunity to buy from these young maidens a piece of necklace at say, and I'm just saying, say 200 rand a piece. Then each of those kids goes there, comes back with 200 rand from bidwork that she did. Then it's more than just she went to Umsang. And uh, I mean, you get thousands of these. Um, so the royal household could potentially collect over a million rand just in commissions on this artwork that tourists could buy. So it's also about how innovative are we in selling the stories behind our art. Because it is a story. Imagine you're a European tourist. You go to this reed dance and one of the things you can do is buy authentic uh, beadwork bought from young maidens directly. So, so I'm just creating something up to oh, say I we also it. have to be creative. <laughs> I love what you're creating. It makes sense. <laughs> yes. So it's about packaging the stories behind the arts and craft. It's not just the arts and craft. It's also the stories behind it. It is stories that it's communicating. And then how do we monetize the stories? You know. So 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 that would really be my submission at this point. Mm -hmm. The stories are important because it's the stories that sell. If you look at the buyers, um, the, the the German tourist, for example, that's here, the the Irish tourist, and and whoever ever, they're not just about the implements themselves but they're about the stories behind them why was this used who used it why was it and by the way they are also into the stories of love behind it that you would be amazed how much they are also into the stories of blessing behind it because trust me tourists are very wise around issues of energy we don't understand it but tourists understand how much energy is in africa Talking of energy, let's let's talk about, for example, our performing arts. The same coachee that I'm talking about, she she went to this past week. Uh, she went to Morocco to perform. So what she performs is she performs music um, that is called Isitao music, but then she plays it to instruments, um, the piano, the guitar, and whatever. But she take, for example. Uh, the song and then she played to music and, and she went to Morocco now allow me to to, to just uh, speak out her name not because I'm advertising freely but because I always want to give evidence of what I'm talking about so that it becomes real for the 80 months her name is Zinke Matela she, you can check her out on Instagram and Facebook. This is a real story. She went to Morocco. The Moroccans went mad. They went ballistics for Istau music. They enjoyed the music. They understood the rhythm. They understood the energy. They didn't understand the lyrics. So from time to time, she had to translate for them. But they went mad. Up. Oh, another example, Johnny Clegg. Actually, an even more simpler example is Johnny Clegg. Johnny Clegg went and lived in the south of France for a good part of his later life. I know this because I met a tourist in Richards Bay a um, couple of years ago, and he was from the south of France, and he was saying, hey, you guys are sitting here. Johnny Clegg, through your music, is sitting in the south of France, milking it, milking it, milking it. So there's money to be made. There's another lady... Um, oh man, her name's just gone off my head. She's um in um she's in 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 Brazil. 
she went to Brazil at some point. She was traveling, but they were muling her for drugs. So she got arrested in Brazilian prison and spent some time there. But when she came out of the prison, she lived in Brazil. You know what she does now? She shares South African arts and craft. She sells it. And the Brazilians are buying it. And you know what else she's doing? She is singing and dancing. She's giving them um, exposure to South African dance and, and South African music. And, and, and the Brazilians are lapping it up. Wow. And she's living. She's making, yes. I, I'd like us to go to voice notes because we need to wrap up our conversation. Okay. Uh, good morning, Nogolego, and good morning to the HMS. Uh, it's Bonga from Deben. Oh, but Paul has just nailed it. I get uh, a, a heartache when I see people uh, using uh, the, the traditional way in a, in, in a manner that is in an irresponsible manner. It, the, the, the traditional way was meant to communicate. Uh, it was a language, as he says. Now you see a young woman saying, are we wearing a traditional attire and wearing a stall or in logo? And you find that he, she doesn't know exactly what, what in logo means and it just wears it. You find a woman today wearing which was not meant for uh, women. Women should not be wearing so you can see how far we lost as we lose some of the meanings of these things. But Paul has just nailed it. Thank you. Good morning, good morning, Mantuli, and good morning to our guest. Uh, Mantuli, uh, just a quick one. Ukoko Esther Matlangu is one example of a person who does act and it pays. Like the dashboard of, you know, BMW that she designed. That's one example. Good examples, and uh, thank you, A-teamers, for sharing in, in this conversation. But we need to close up. So how do we ensure this legacy? It's, it's one really about knowing its significance. So let me wrap up with one very practical example. The Ntapu Commission that was set up some years ago was about investigating kingships and whether there are specific tribes and whether there should be a king. And, and, and there are three specific categories that they were looking for. They were looking for, is this group culturally identifiable through its unique language? Is it culturally identifiable through its own unique uh, dress code? And, and, and there was a third element i can't remember but they were all cultural elements that determined whether or not those people could apply to have a recognized king as a people in the rebuilding after the dismantling of kingships by colonialism and apartheid that's how serious it is they had to go back to those arts and craft matters to determine the identity of a group and determine whether they could be given the status of a king so if these things are important and they will help to decide future controversies. Good morning. Thank you very much, Paul. A blessed morning to you too. What's your social media handles? We want to follow you. I'm on, I'm on Facebook as Paul Zimande Coach and I have a Paul Zimande profile. Instagram, Paul underscore Zimande. Twitter at Paul Z. Um, I also have a private email address. It's Paul Zimande, one word, at gmail.com. Good morning.